you know, I've said my piece. I, I, I've explained uh, why the media was so horrible on this. Uh, I also, frankly, had to call out my former employer. Uh, I did a video, but that's, you know, you don't have, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Um, I was right. I told you so. People are living, like, there, there is now full-blown, like, Rachel Maddow, a lot of people at MSNBC, others are, are, are now Russiagate, like, truthers, almost, almost like pretending that, well, we don't know, Barr could have misrepresented Robert Mueller's report. So we don't know. Maybe, maybe what Barr's saying isn't true. Listen, and then attacking me and, and, and Michael Tracy, Aaron Maté, Glenn Greedwald, Matt Taibbi, others that were right about this saying, oh, well, you guys are always skeptical of the government. You, say, you tell your viewers never automatically believe the government. So you just, you just believe what Barr's saying to be the case? Yeah, I, I am skeptical of the government, but I, but I also have common sense. So for these people, including Rachel Maddow, she is pushing this, that we don't know if Barr has misrepresented or, or not told us everything what Mueller found. Do you actually, like, if you read Barr's memo, he directly quoted from Mueller. That one sentence is from Mueller that says, we did not find uh, criminal conspiracy or collusion, right? So do you really think the attorney general could get away with misquoting Robert Mueller about... uh, of lying about what he found or didn't find? Do you, do you actually think Mueller and an army of, I think he had like at one point 30 or so prosecutors would just sit idly by and be like, oh, you know, we worked on this for two and a half years, but you know, I guess we'll just let him make it up. Do you actually, do, I don't think they actually think this. This is just all to continue the ruse. It's all to continue, you know, the narrative. It's all to, Rachel Maddow, I mean, her ratings fell off a cliff on Monday right after Mueller's report, because, like, the jig is up. You push this Cold War, you know, his reenactment for two and a half years, almost three years. And, and, you know, the conclusion you wanted didn't come. Now, I've said this over and over, and I've said it here. I'm, I want the full report to be released, because just because Mueller didn't find collusion or, or conspiracy doesn't mean there's not damning things in there that we need to know about Trump, about his campaign about money stuff with him and Russia and things like that. I want that information out. And so I have no problem with that. Uh, I also think that uh, I, I, I say be careful about talking impeachment because, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You know, you got a Christian fundamentalist crazy person who's competent politically. Uh, I think if Mike Pence were president, Obamacare would have been gone long ago. Um, but we need to see what's in there because there could be things that are high crimes and misdemeanor. I, I, I'm not like a, I don't have Trump derangement, but that's just, we need to see. But, you know, part of, uh, what are the five stages of grief? Like one of the early ones is acceptance. You have to accept that you were wrong. You have to accept that this theory and this conspiracy and this, this, I mean, all these hillbots and neoliberals were hanging on for dear life. So this could make, this could give them cover and this could be the reason that he won. This is why Queen Hillary lost. It was an evil conspiracy with Trump and the Russian government. This was, they were waiting to be validated because they don't want to admit he won. It was pretty much fair and square. Politics is dirty, but she made really bad errors during the campaign. 
She wasn't a good candidate. Her and her husband did some really bad things that affected those critical states, like NAFTA, for starters. But I, but I don't want to talk about Russiagate forever, but I, I do need to address this because, you know, I saw a quote from CNN's president, Jeff Zucker, Jeff Zucker, saying this, we are not investigators, we are journalists, and our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did, he told the New York Times. A sitting president's own Justice Department investigated his campaign for collusion with a hostile nation. That's not enormous because the media says so. That's enormous because it's unprecedented. Wow. We're not investigators. We are journalists. And our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. Well, if CNN isn't investigators, if, then, if their role is not to investigate anything, what exactly is their role? And, you know, in full fairness, uh, so you could hear the spin on that comment, I tweeted out, this is the most stunning comment I've heard a news executive say. If as journalists you're not equipped to investigate, what exactly is it that you do? Oh, I forgot the word do. Just regurgitate what the actual investigators, CIA, FBI, Homeland Security tell you? And this was in response to their media reporter or critic or whatever. I know Brian Stelter. I, I, I met, met up with him years ago. Uh, I don't have anything personally against him, but I think he is pretty oblivious and tone deaf to how awful the corporate media is. Probably because he lives in an ivory tower in CNN's studio. So Brian basically said I was, I, was, I was misinterpreting or I was spinning the meaning. He wrote back, most everyone else knows exactly what he was talking about. Most everyone else knows exactly what he's talking about. Who's most everyone else? Isn't a reporter's job to name names? Who is this most everyone else knows exactly what he was talking about? That journalists aren't federal investigators with Mueller-type powers. Okay, so he's saying that the CNN president... What he meant was, we're not legal investigators. We're not federal investigators. We don't have subpoena power. We, we don't have those kind of powers. We're journalists, and our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. Oh, that's important that he said that, the facts. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. If I even wanted to give the benefit of the doubt to CNN that their president didn't that what their president was trying to say is that we're not federal investigators, which I actually don't think is what he meant to say. I think he was legitimately saying we're not investigators. We just report what they tell us, which means you're not a journalist. But putting that aside, if you gave him the benefit of the doubt that that's what that quote means, that CNN are not legal federal police or DOJ or, or a special prosecutor, and we just report the facts then the president of CNN and Brian Stelter just basically undermined their coverage. Because myself, I won't speak for them, but I, I would guess Aaron Maté, Michael Tracy, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Jamal Thomas, uh, Jen with Status Coup. Who am I forgetting that was really big on this? Um, 
Lee Kent, Jimmy Dore, of course. Um, I'm sure there were others, and I'm just forgetting some. I don't think we'd have a problem. I know I don't have I don't have a problem that they covered uh, the Michael Cohen stuff. I think they covered it too much, but fine. He was the president's lawyer and, and the hush money payments and whatever. I don't have a problem that they covered Michael Flynn. I think they covered it too much, but that's fine. I don't have a problem that they covered uh, Manafort. It was totally unrelated to the campaign. So it was all stuff he did before, but fine. He was the, he was the campaign chairman. Uh, Carter Page, George Papadopoulos, uh, all these people. I don't have a problem. Yeah, he's the president, and these people worked in his campaign. So if they, if they committed crimes, they should cover that. That's fine. But where, where you lose me and where I think they're just totally full of boop, trying not to curse because I keep getting demonetized. You didn't report the facts as you know them because there were never any facts to support Trump and his campaign working with the Russian government. And by the way, I was on the campaign trail when this conspiracy theory was hatched. So the original charge is the Trump campaign knowingly worked with Russian government officials or or cutouts to the Russian government to hack Hillary Clinton's emails and distribute them through WikiLeaks. That was the original sin. That was the original cookie, cockamamie story, right? So there were never any facts to support that. They put out, they put out stories. The Guardian put out stories that CNN ran with, by the way, saying that Paul Manafort and Julian Assange met in the Ecuadorian embassy right, right when uh, Manafort became Trump's campaign chairman. That, I said at the time, if that's true, that would be pretty scandalous because it shows a timeline and interaction between Trump's campaign and WikiLeaks. That story is still up on The Guardian. No other network, print, digital, or cable news, has been able to confirm that story, even though they all ran with it. I saw CNN all day running with it. Want to know why? Because it's not true. And because we live in this backwards uh, version of journalism, you don't ever get a retraction. They don't take the story down. They just keep it there and in some cases put an editor's note. Like right now, if you go to the Washington Post, there's still a story up that Russia hacked Vermont's electrical grid. The story is still up. The headline's still up. Just has an editor note at the top essentially saying uh, this story is not true. They didn't take it down. They didn't issue a retraction because we can never be wrong. Your Rachel Maddow could never be wrong. The Washington Post could never be wrong. The New York Times could be never wrong. Jank Uger could never be wrong. Sorry, I had to do that. Um, so, you know, this is very, very troubling. Very, very troubling. Because CNN didn't report the facts as we know it. Here were the facts as we know it, okay? Trump armed the Ukrainian rebels, which I think is a huge, huge bad thing. He bombed Syria twice. He's trying to execute a coup in Venezuela. Pulled out of the INF Treaty. These are all things that a Putin puppet whose campaign conspired with Russia to get elected, that they would not be doing those things because Russia doesn't want those things. Especially arming the Ukraine, Ukrainian rebels. So there there were facts where Trump was hawkish against Russia because he was listening to the neocons around him who still live in in this fairy tale Cold War era. I mean, he brought down John Bolton. What do you expect? 
There were also never any actual proof that the Trump campaign had any communication with WikiLeaks. The closest thing was Roger Stone DMing with Julian Assange, but Julian, literally, the communication was Julian Assange saying, stop misrepresenting our communications. That was it. Essentially, what CNN's saying is we just report the facts as we know them. No, 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 no. You pushed a conspiracy for two and a half years, and it's not just them. It was MSNBC, Rachel Maddow, you know, her career took off. She, she, she was the highest rated cable uh, host. And all of this, I'm not complaining about it. I'm not covering it because they were wrong. You get things wrong. But I'm covering it, A, because I think they knew they were wrong and they went with it anyway. There was a story in uh, Vanity Fair saying there wasn't much of a market for skepticism on MSNBC. Wasn't much of a market for skepticism. Well, that means when you use the term market, that this is a business decision. We're making a business decision to go with this rather than a news judgment whether it's true. And the result of that is scaring the hell out of your audience, exciting the hell out of your audience with this Cold War espionage thriller and lying to your audience. So that's one thing. But the other thing is what, what is the opportunity cost? What, by doing all this and by covering all this, and when I say covering, I mean inventing it out of thin air, this collusion conspiracy theory. And if you're still on the fence, I mean, if you really believe that William Barr is, is making up quotes from Robert Mueller and he's just sitting idly by, I got a bridge to sell you, okay? And by the way, by the way, I have said already, I think it's absurd that they, that Robert Mueller did not find obstruction of justice. The president of the United States went on national television and told an anchor, yeah, yeah, he fired Comey because he was investigating this Russia stuff. He, he, that's like blinking red lights, obstruction of justice. So I think Trump did commit a crime, but I don't think it was collusion with the Russian government. I think it was obstructing justice because he thinks he could do anything, you know? I could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue, nobody will care. So he obstructed justice, and I think there's more to the story on why Mueller did not rule on that. And I would like to know why, and that's why we need to see the Mueller report. I'm not one of these cheerleaders saying, let's impeach Trump, because I don't want Mike Pence to be president. I think he's worse than Trump. He doesn't sound as bad. He don't tweet like that. He doesn't say bigoted things, but he's a bigot. And he's not going to be kind to reproductive rights. Go ask women in Indiana about that. He's not going to be kind to the LGBT community. Go ask the LGBT community. And he's certainly as lethal as Trump is as far as, you know, voodoo economics, trickle-down economics, corporate tax cuts, more tax cuts for Boeing and Raytheon and Goldman Sachs and all this. So we don't want pets. We need to defeat Trump in 2020. But the bottom line, folks, is... CNN admitted they're not investigators, which means they're not journalists. Because I wouldn't have had a problem if their investigative journalists, if they have such a thing, was, was trying to find out what Mueller knew or trying to break stories about what, did Mueller, what was Mueller looking into, what actually happened. That's what investigative journalists do. 
I think there's more important things to investigate, but that's fine. The problem is hour after hour, segment after segment, week after week, month after month, year after year, pundits and, and, and journalists just filling airtime to bridge to the next Viagra or Cialis commercial because that's what cable news is. Sorry, you know, my men, uh, my, my male viewers here. Uh, I'm sure I'll need it at one point too. But just with endless speculation, propaganda, conspiracy, the walls are closing in, the walls are closing in. CNN, you didn't, you didn't report the facts as we know it. You invented the facts as we know it. And the reason it's important to hold these frauds accountable is not to do a victory lap, is not to uh, gloat. You know, it feels good, yes, uh, but that's, you know, my validation in life doesn't come from CNN bashing. The reason it's important is elections are decided based in large part, yes, voter suppression, election fraud, but the corporate media propping up certain candidates while knocking down others. So we need as independent media, and that's why I was critical of the Young Turks, because independent media is so important. And, you know, everybody's got an opinion whether they're independent or not. I'm not going to get into that. But the point is, independent media has to sound the alarm and wake more people up to what you're hearing in corporate media is not media. It's not even journalism. It's propaganda. Has CNN ever done a good report? Yeah, sure. MSNBC long ago did some good stuff, but those days are gone because now they're trying to cash in on whatever sensational, propagandish fantasy that could scare the hell out of their viewers. Bernie Sanders won't support House Democrats' plan to strengthen Obamacare. Fears that progressives will make support for single-payer health care system a mandatory litmus test for all the Democrats became more serious on Tuesday night as Bernie Sanders refused to support or say anything positive about a very high-profile House Democrat bill aimed at strengthening Obamacare. Per a Washington Examiner account of Sanders' interview with Chris Hayes, who's another one that pushed this Russia fairy tale, Senator Bernie Sanders, who is running for president and has greatly influenced Democratic policy positions, said Tuesday that he does not support a bill introduced by House leaders to expand Obamacare. No, I support the Medicare for All single-payer program, Sanders said, when MSNBC's Chris Hayes asked him about the legislation that was introduced earlier that day. Asked a second time to clarify his stance and whether he supported incremental changes to the health care system, Sanders again replied that he did not support the bill. As Hayes noted, this was a new position for Sanders. This Sanders answer, whether he would support House Dems legislation to improve ACA, is pretty interesting. He says no, and he said he doesn't support any incremental reforms, which is quite a departure from his record. I don't know about that. He's voted for all kinds of inc incremental reforms, including ACA. It seems to represent a crossing of the Rubicon, in which the candidate treats incremental reform as an abomination. Right. Now we're working on what I have fought for my entire life, Sanders said. Healthcare is a right. It has to be comprehensive. The current system is dysfunctional. It's, it is enormously, enormously wasteful. The trouble is, of course, that House Democrats from across the ideological spectrum, united behind the bill, Bernie is disrespecting. He's disrespecting the bill. It was designed to exploit the Trump administration's startling decision to threaten Obamacare yet again by supporting a judicial elimination 
of the entire Affordable Care Act and was intended to sidestep differences of opinion on broader health care reforms like Medicare for All. In Sanders' defense, the House bill is purely a messaging device that will very likely never see the light of day in the Republican-controlled Senate. But his refusal even to pay Nancy Pelosi the courtesy of positive lip service towards a bill that is central to House Democrats' 2020 strategy will likely be taken as a sign that he and his supporters intended to go to the mat for his vision of Medicare for All. Oh, where do I start? Where do I start? How much more should Bernie Sanders do for Queen Nancy and King Chuck and Emperor Perez? Okay? Bernie Sanders stood and did a bill with Chuck Schumer, who isn't progressive. He's, he's not even he's a Republican. He let Chuck Schumer borrow Bernie's pen, you know, on stock buybacks. They did a bill. Bernie Sanders did a unity tour with that stiff class of corruption, Tom Perez. He let Tom, Tom Perez, you know, ride off of Bernie's movement. And boy, was that embarrassing for Tom Perez, you know, when you're at a rally and Bernie, 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 they're chanting when Tom Perez is speaking. <laughs> you know, Bernie Sanders play homage to Nancy Pelosi. What, what else could he do? Bernie Sanders went around the country in 2017 fighting to save Obamacare. I know because I covered it in Kentucky when I was at the Young Turks. He, he fought and went around the country trying to save a program that he fundamentally doesn't think is right for America. So Bernie Sanders has done enough for the Democratic Party. Democratic Party needs to start doing things for Bernie Sanders, but we know that's not going to happen because they're, as we speak, working on how to rig it again in 2020 without getting caught this time. So as I said, I think I covered it yesterday or the day before, as much as I think Obamacare is a Republican health care plan, as much as I think it was not the right change to the health care system, I do recognize that it would be a disaster for it to be repealed because there are millions of people that have been helped and many that have had their lives saved from Obamacare. So you could be for Medicare for all and you could not be for tinkering around the edges with Obamacare and still not want it completely repealed. I don't want it repealed if Medicare for all is not waiting in the wings. I don't think that's controversial. Especially the, be the best part about Obamacare is really the Medicaid expansion because it helps the most vulnerable. And it might have helped many of you watching. So I don't, let's not be crazy extremists. Just get rid of it. Politically, if it was getting rid, if, if Trump did, was successful in getting rid of it, I actually think it makes it even more likely that Medicare for all would take off. But I don't want to play with people's lives to better our political strategy. With that said, Bernie Sanders is right not to continues signing on to incremental changes. And what they mean by what, what, what incremental changes actually means, folks, just so you're clear, incremental change means what our donors will allow. That's all it means. They could dress it up in a reasonable word and a logical word and, and a word that you know embodies responsibleness and, and practicality. All it means is what my sugar daddy and mama will allow. This is the way the United Corporations of America works. So the donors don't mind legalized pot. Well, the big pharma executives mind. But by and large, donors don't care. That's why Better O'Rourke's pushing legalized pot, because that's what his donors will allow. But his donors don't want Medicare for all, so that's why he moonwalked away from Medicare for all within six months. 
don't Hillary Clinton's donors don't mind like little tax credits, tax credits for the middle class, but they do mind Medicare for all. That's why Kamala Harris is pushing tax credits for the middle class. But Moon walked away from Medicare for all in 24 hours. The donors don't mind, you know, increasing teachers' pay because it doesn't take away from them. That's why Kamala Harris is pushing teachers, increasing teachers' pay. But the donors do mind universal job guarantees. The donors do mind a Green New Deal. So, enough. And please educate your Republican uncle or your neoliberal auntie. This is not incremental change. Because if you want to go with the theory of, you know, America runs on incremental change, well, that's certainly been some incremental change when you look at that chart starting with the early 1980s going up, that incremental change of income inequality exploding. That's called incremental theft. And I wouldn't even call it incremental because it's been pretty rapid. It's theft. It's thievery. So the media could try to paint Bernie Sanders. Oh, Bernie Sanders, you know, he's going to sabotage Obamacare. And that's what they're going to do. This is the first story I saw about it, but they will start covering it more. How, how dare Bernie Sanders put people's lives at risk? First of all, he went around the country to save Obamacare. This is the same rationality that Bernie is the, Bernie is the reason Hillary Clinton lost. He went around the country, uh, to, you know, he went around the country uh, doing speeches and rallies for this warmonger, corrupt Hillary Clinton. But he's responsible. He did more rallies for her than President Obama did. I know. I covered it. It was disgusting. I couldn't take it. I covered a rally he did for Hillary Clinton in, uh, where was it? Right outside of Detroit. Dearborn, Michigan. So, you know, the bottom line is the, the, the Democrats are trying to push changes to Obamacare. Because changes to Obamacare makes it seem like they're fighting for the working man and women of America, even though Obamacare is not helping the majority of people. Obamacare is a, oh, I can't curse. Obamacare is a wet kiss to insurance companies. Obamacare is a wet kiss to hospitals. Obamacare leaves high deductibles, high copays, coinsurance, and a lot in a lot of cases it's it's a big big amount, a high amount per month just to have it. In fairness, it's become worse because the Trump administration has d- done everything it can to sabotage it and make it not work. But even before that, it wasn't making healthcare affordable. Because you can't create universal health care while simultaneously, you know, fluffing pillows for pharmaceutical companies and all the insurance companies. You can't do both. You got to pick one or the other. That's why Bernie Sanders is right. So I hope Bernie Sanders doesn't cave. I hope he says, I am not for Obamacare being repealed, but I am not for as our focus being to improve Obamacare. We need Medicare for all. 
Make it clear, I will fight against repealing Obamacare, but I will not fight for, you know, as our main health care policy, improving Obamacare. You can't improve something that fundamentally is not meant to work for everyone, is not meant and cannot cover everyone. Don't back down, Bernie. This has not gotten uh, much national media attention. Uh, this is a story dear to my heart. After, you know, I'm very uh, focused on Native American issues. But the Midwest floods brought to you by climate change have created a humanitarian crisis on Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. This is from Smith, Smithsonian Magazine. Parts of the Midwest have been hit hard by devastating floods, which resulted in at least three deaths and caused more than three billion in damages to homes, infrastructure, and agricultural lands. But in the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, the fallout from the flooding has escalated to a humanitarian crisis, reports Mitch Smith of New York Times. Residents of this vast territory, which is administered by the Ogala Sioux Tribe and is home to around 20,000 people, have been stranded for two weeks due to waterlogged and muddy lands that are, in, that are preventing people from leaving the reservation and making it difficult for emergency aid to get in. According to Smith, parts of the region are only accessible by boat, helicopters, or horse. The situation was exacerbated last week when water main breaks left 8,000 people without access to water, reports Sarah Mierhoff of Forum News Service. One thing this story leaves out is those water main breaks happen because the white folks north of the reservation released their dam water, knowing it would flood the reservation. Because who gives a damn about those Native Americans, right? They released their dams, and it flooded the reservation. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem visited Pine Ridge on Saturday and told Smith that she had quickly approved the reservation's formal request for help once they were made. The state has dispatched ATVs, a boat rescue team, and South Dakota National Guard troops to the area, along with four 2,500-gallon water tanks to ensure that Pine Ridge residents have access to clean drinking water. But some residents and officials have intimated that help came too slowly. I know that requests for assistance were made early on. Perry Poirier, a South Dakota state representative for the district that encompasses Pine Ridge, told NPR's Dahlia Mortada. Though Pine Ridge was not the only area impacted by the floods, which were triggered by heavy rains and rapidly melting snow, that snow rapidly melted because the heat, it was hotter than usual in the area because of a thing called climate change. This is what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is talking about. Which were triggered by heavy rains and rapidly melting snow, the deluge has worsened already difficult circumstances on the reservation. Uh, the... Pine Ridge is among the poorest regions of the country, according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau. Some 43% of its residents live below the poverty level. Alcoholism has been a pervasive problem on the reservation, many reservations, not just Pine Ridge. And a 2017 study found that life expectancy in the Oglala, Lakota County was lower than anywhere else in the United States. Infrastructure on Pine Ridge has proved insufficient for dealing with the rising water levels that recently spilled over nearby creeks and rivers, turning the dirt roads that run through the area into impassable sludge. According to Mirhoff of Forum News Service, Pine Ridge has just three full-time employees on its emergency management team, which serves all of the 1,000-square-mile reservation. 
just three emergency management employees. Julian Bear Runner, the Oglala Sioux Tribe's elected president, tells the Times Smith that the tribal government also does not have enough equipment to reach all the residents who need assistance. Quote, if we would have, if we would have had state-of-the-art equipment, if we would have had adequate manpower, we could have gotten a lot done. Speaking to Mayerhoff, State Representative Perrier says Pine Ridge and other struggling reservations are in urgent need of more funding from the federal government. We're in survival mode on a daily basis. When, this, when things like this happen, it's devastating on all different levels. Water levels now appear to be declining at Pine Ridge, but the worst may not be over. According to NPR, the region's temperatures are due to rise through midweek, which could melt persisting snow and lead to more flooding. And unfortunately, it isn't just Pine Ridge. This is from Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe uh, yesterday. The Moro River Valley is experiencing record-breaking flooding on the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe Reservation. Voluntary evacuations have been requested by the uh, Cheyenne, Roos, Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe government. Some homes already isolated by rising water and several residents had to be evacuated by helicopter. More rescues are scheduled for today as the river is not expected to crest until the evening, Thursday, March 28, 2019. There have been approximately a dozen residences have been evacuated with approximately 50 residences at threat from rising waters. Fog is currently preventing helicopter evacuations in the affected areas. Many residents are refusing to voluntarily evacuate the area with concerns for livestock and property. This past, this past weekend, the Morro River set a flood stage record at 27.7 feet. Jesus Christ. Over the next 48 hours, the Morro River is expected to crest at more than 30 Efforts are in place to build sandbags, to build sandbag dikes around the community of White Horse to protect infrastructure and the community. The Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe is currently gathering resources at White Horse. Currently, the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe needs swift water rescue teams to assist in evacuations. Chairman Howard Frazier has stated, residents in the flood area should take our warning seriously. The river has, been, has never been this high and is only rising, so take the opportunity to evacuate now. You're placing not, your, not just your life, but the lives of those who will try to rescue you at risk. Number one, climate change is causing this flooding, and it's not just on Native American reservations. It's caused flooding for farmers. It's caused flooding from, for working people all throughout the Midwest. So when you have your normal you know, blizzards and, and you know, extreme snow, followed by higher than normal temperatures for this season, you have severe flooding. Well, what happens with severe flooding? Farms get, farms get, farms get flooded. Reservations get flooded. I mean, businesses get flooded. The Republican Party's response? You're elitist, tells Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You, you people and your Green New Deal, that's elitist. Oh, you and your Green New Deal, you're just a bunch of elitists. You want to get rid of hamburgers and, and um, cheeseburgers and airplanes. They'll only care when the flooding comes to them. That's the only way Republicans will ever care. Same thing with guns. If their kids, God forbid, if Ted Cruz's kids, God, God forbid, were killed in school, maybe he'll consider it. Or maybe it was divine intervention, he would say. These people are all sociopaths. And frankly, it ain't just the Republican Party. Joe Manchin, the energy head of the Energy Committee for the Democrats, he don't care about climate change. He takes blood money from the oil companies. 
and the coal miners. Steny Hoyer, same thing. Dick Durbin, same thing. Nancy Pelosi, same thing. And Donald Trump, what can you say? As president, he has cut money for Native American health care, funding for reservations, on and on and on. But let me think. All right, you have a real critical issue that you could be taking on Trump about right now if you're the Democratic Party. Fighting for the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation. Fighting for Cheyenne River Sioux Tribes Reservation. Fighting for vulnerable groups. Some of the poorest people in this country. I did contact Standing Rock. Fortunately, they have not been as hit, I'm told, by flooding as the others, tribes. I'm not seeing any fundraising emails from the Democratic National Committee with fundraising emails to go to these reservations. I'm not seeing, I didn't see Cory Booker mention it in his town hall last night, which I'll cover at some point, but it was a bunch of blabbering and nonsense. But Don Lemon did ask him, were you nervous when you made the first call to your girlfriend, Rosario Dawson? So basically, there's humanitarian crises on Native American reservations. The Republican Party is looking at it and frankly laughing. You know, slight credit goes to the South Dakota governor for doing something. It probably was too late because she's not going to care to help the natives first. She's going to help the white folk first. But at least she did something. And I had a source tell me yesterday that the Pine Ridge Reservation are begging for federal help, and they are being told nothing. They're not even having, they're not really even getting answers from the federal government. Well, why are we surprised? Donald Trump has basically urinated on Puerto Rico. We're not giving those people any more money. But let's not just call out Donald Trump here. Where is the Democratic Party on these issues? Where's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? on a crisis right now for two Native American tribes, 20,000 people at Pine Ridge don't have the number of Cheyenne River. You know, we send out mini Wachoni emails when Obama denied the permit, but we didn't fight for the people getting brutalized at Standing Rock before then. Democratic Party barely said anything. Elizabeth Warren barely said, didn't say anything. Tulsi Gabbard went and showed her solidarity with Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. Bernie Sanders did not. He, he did do a rally in D.C. in support. But let's be clear, Tulsi Gabbard did more. Democrats are very, were very concerned about uh, the voter suppression against Native Americans in, in, in North and South Dakota because it could screw Heidi Heitkamp, who lost. So they were concerned when injustice and corruption towards Native Americans could hurt their electoral chances. But I don't hear anything, anything, about deadly flooding. People have died. People are hungry. People are thirsty on these reservations. So if the Democratic Party is the party of the working people, well, where are you? (laughs) 